Earth has a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 465. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And today we are going to be covering, or reviewing, I should say, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, the adaptation, the animated adaptation of the Brian Augustine and uh, Mike uh, Mignola uh, graphic novel, which actually winds up integrating slightly uh, some of uh, Brian Augustine's uh, Batman Master of the Future a little bit, but not much. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not a whole lot of either of these things. (laughs) In this adaptation, no, no, no. There, and, uh, but, uh, there are allusions to a lot of it, and some right. thematic uh, sinews that were taken. But otherwise, like y- you weren't going to get a faithful adaptation from this. And if you were really hoping for it, I'm sorry, that didn't happen. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I I really liked what we got. I did like what we got, but you you just have to be okay with it not being part of the. You know, you, you got to take it for what it's worth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to be transparent and say right up front before we get into this, uh, we, we have, we have recorded this or some version of this before, uh, but with Scott of the Squadcast, mm-hmm. we had some technical difficulties. There was a bit of a, uh, a snafu with some of the recording and, uh, that All version lost. just, uh, yeah, that version isn't a thing anymore. Nope. So, and you know, Scott's got, uh, a sick young one and, uh, couldn't make it tonight. Yeah. But we are trying to get uh, something else going with, with, with Scott and Tim. And uh, it was a fun conversation, and I hate that you guys can't hear it. Yeah. Um, well, we'll be able so. to hook up with him again in the future, though. Absolutely. Like, um, short-term future, I'm willing to I'm willing to say. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. You know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I really liked that they had, uh, they actually went a little further, like a lot further. They fleshed this thing out. They fleshed it out with Batman characters. Like when you go back and you read the original graphic novel, which I did uh, right before watching, mm-hmm. there's almost no one in that graphic novel that is like of the Batman canon, mm-hmm. except for Bruce and Alfred and Gordon. Yeah. And here we have, you know, Ivy the Plant Lady. We have Dickie, Jason, and Little Tim. <laughs> we have, you know, uh, Big Bill Duff and his amiable cock rubbings. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's what he said, right? No, cock robins. Cock robins. Yeah. I heard cock rubbins. Well, <laughs> you have that tendency. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, Mr. We had Leslie Tompkins. Tibia titty. Yeah, tibia titty. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we had. Uh, yeah, you know, Leslie Tompkins is a nun. Hugo Strange in charge of Arkham, and Hugo d- does believe that people can withstand up to thirty-five miles an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We had Chief Bullock, who was basically Chief O'Hara. Yes, which was the funniest part to me. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh. You know, um, still had Harvey Dent. We did have Harvey Dent. We you had a uh, huge we had Selena Kyle presence. Yeah. 
we had a huge Selena Kyle presence, and I really liked that. And um, Jordan Valdez actually sent us a pretty lengthy voicemail, and I think I'm going to, because we've already kind of spent a lot of time on this episode, I'm going to wait until the next news episode uh, to, to put that voicemail. It's a very long voicemail. Ah. Um, thank you, Jordan. Um, but yeah, he's a big uh, cat bat shipper, so he was very pleased with that. Mm. He's enjoying the comics recently then? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm... I, I, I think I'm probably a cat bat shipper mo- most of the time myself. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick a, a romantic ending to him, yeah, I would, I, they make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Like, Talia seems like a good first wife type of situation. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I could see them getting divorced. But, like, him yeah. and Selena, I could see them kind of... I, I could see those two cats making it. Well, the one cat and the one bat, but yeah. I mean, yeah. If you want to get technical, sure. Sure. Uh, Always. Um, still... <laughs> Still, I um, I just never think about it until someone brings it up. I'm like, oh, that would be fine. That would be just fine. Or they tell a really good yeah. story, which the books are telling right now. It's kind of like I kind of wish I was. <sighs> yeah. I've only. Yeah. Kind of wish I had original copies of all those, but I don't. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they. You know, we have Cyrus Gold up in the prison. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Tara Strong as Marlene, as opposed to Harleen. A uh, yeah, sort of a, a very blatant. Um, homage. Yeah. I would even say some something of a red herring in the movie. Um, mm. We will be getting spoilery, yeah. by the way. <clears throat> um, Anthony Stewart head as Alfred. That was great. That was nice. And I didn't know it before, and then it was explained to me afterward, and I thought, oh, he did fine. Yeah. Um, so, Scott Patterson. By the way, I think he passes at heed. I don't know why. Is that true? Oh, maybe so. Maybe he does. I mean, read, heed. I guess I could see it. Yeah. I thought I heard someone say that at some point. Feel free to correct me. Anyone, ever. Yeah. For any sure. reason. Sure. I'll just say Giles. How about that? Giles. Giles did. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is really pretty close to the uh, the Rupert character. Like, crazy yeah. youth goes into some sort of mentorship role in his, in his more aged, wizened years. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, I, I enjoy the aesthetic of steampunk. I, uh, I liked what they did with it here. I liked, um, the idea of, of, of seeing all of these people back in that time frame. I think they actually like made a, I think honestly they made a better story. Like I enjoyed this more than the book. I'm not sure I enjoyed it more than the book. I think I did, but it's, I, I'm not willing to take anything away from other one. I enjoyed the book. That's fair. I yeah, mean, I like the book, the, you know. Gotham by Gaslight proper versus the future thing. Um, future thing was a yeah. little. Yeah, what are we doing here? But yeah, I don't. I don't care for Master of the Future really <clears throat> at all. The, yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was. It was all right, but um, not. I. I don't think it's as good as either of the properties that this is. You know, right? Ostensibly representing. But I feel like this this movie could could very well jump off. Like we had a like we had a red herring in Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they did very much like he was a, very much two faced. Like he's Bruce's best friend, and all of a sudden he's the prosecutor. Yeah, they did, um, uh, they even mentioned Jekyll and Hyde kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He's a different man when he drinks. Mm-hmm. Kind of a Jekyll and Real Hyde. Real Jekyll situation. and Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> and then he is um, a uh, proper dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like they kind of like they made they uh, because the book went out of their way to show like, hey, there's this guy that like. Uh, paralyzed his own face and killed his family, and they is clearly the Joker. Yeah. Um, yeah. the movie did not do that. The movie went out of their way to avoid that 
just eschewed the entire scene between Bruce and Gordon in the inspector's office, Mm -hmm. maybe because Gordon isn't an inspector in this version. He is the commissioner. Um, They would have used different terms for this side of the pond. mm Mm-hmm. And uh, though I do miss Inspector Gordon, I feel like that was that. I don't know. There was something about that. I liked mm-hmm. um, Scott Patterson, though, the guy that played uh, Commissioner Gordon. I wasn't digging him. I, I didn't really have any problem. I, it, and it wasn't just him. I just don't think there was a single. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there was any voice acting in this that I wasn't a fan of. Um, I think I, I just, I didn't like Gordon. That was it. I just, I felt like he didn't sync up with his character. He didn't sound like what I'm seeing. He doesn't, I didn't believe anything he said, even when he was revealed as the, uh, as Jack. I don't I, know why. I, I mean, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes it just falls flat for, it, it, there's a reason it's, it's subjective, but I didn't have any kind of reaction like that. No. Now I was really happy to hear that, um, what's the name from Dexter had, uh, fooled me. Oh yeah. Uh, Selena. Yeah. She slipped right by me. Did not know she had gotten into voice acting. Dude, you know what? She actually sounded like, uh, she sounded like the animated series. She really did. Like I, it didn't even, I didn't even question it. I I did not realize that she was capable of this. And now I like, I've always wished well upon her. I I enjoyed her in Dexter, but I, Mm -hmm. I, now I kind of want her to have a voice acting career. I think, I think (laughs) I would enjoy it. <laughs> Hope I see her again in the future or hear her again in the future. Yeah. But like her her Adrian Barbeau was on point, dude. I don't know if she meant <laughs> to do that, but she sounded like Adrian Barbeau. That was for sure. Yeah. Um a little sultry. And what's more Yeah, what's more and I don't know the, the name, um hell she might have been the one that, uh the the woman that did Ivy the plant lady for the amount of time she was actually on the screen sounded like Diane Pershing. Like she sounded like the animated series Ivy as well. Hmm. To me. Uh, but I don't believe she's done it in a really long time. Let's see who did a who did Ivy. Why don't you Ivy? Why don't you look up. that up while I, ex- while I explain my problems with Ivy? Sure. <laughs> why don't you do that? I I have I have two questions. Um, one, like uh-huh. I, I realized this was um a rated R version. Uh huh. And I wondered why until I met Ivy. And first of all, it's it, it's an extremely like unnecessarily showy version of our, like we just, I don't like this is part of the problem with Tim, with Bruce Tim right now that I have, but mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a second. The other thing was like, when I really realized like, Oh, that's where they got their R rating was like, did you notice when Ivy gets cut that there's like a gurgling sound <laughs> that I did not know I, you could put in animated anything. I, yeah, I think, yeah, there was some sort of a weird gurgle. Actually it was Carrie Wurrer. Who also did Barbara Gordon. Oh, fair enough. So, good job, Carrie. I mean, you you, you sounded like Diane Pershing for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you fit right in. No, I, the gurgling sound was, I, I, honestly, I've never seen that with anything that was animated before, or heard that with anything that was animated before. I did not know you could do, you know, I, like as somebody was dying. Oh, I mean, you can. They did it in Batman the Animated Series. That's why I wouldn't think that was necessarily an R-rated well, Like, thing. I... It's not necessarily, but like I remember hearing it like when Clayface is having, you know, uh, that was yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking of. Them, yeah, like pouring that that shit down Clayface's throat, Matt yes, Higgins' throat. But like yeah. for me, that's different, and I could see how standards and practices would be like, well, you're pouring something down a guy's throat. I get that, but like when it's, it's suffocating like him, yeah, when you're like stabbing someone so much that you start hearing like blood, you know, like trespass into the tracheal area. Like I, I just didn't. Ooh, that was 
rough. <laughs> like, yeah. It actually, like, I was, I was a little impressed. Minor point. My big point. My big point. If and I hate the petitions as much as we do. If I could start a petition right now, it would be uh-huh. please take Bruce Tim away from all animated productions until he gets some help. <laughs> because he just keeps trying to sexualize these characters in a way that is super creepy. It is okay. If they if they did the animation not like Bruce Tim and it was more adult looking animation, I could understand it more and I I appreciated what they were going for with the cat calls and everything. And even though she's dancing, you see, like, they even draw the little line under her eye. Like, she's just tired of this shit. She hates this. Um, She's miserable. And I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get the scene they're going for. What keeps bothering me is that the scene is elongated in a way. Yeah, I didn't need the four minutes of of watching those leaves almost fall off of her boob. It felt like four freaking minutes. Like, there's there's Ivy, there's Selena later doing the musical number, which also I want to pitch in. I don't need any more musical numbers. I was fine with the musical number. I liked the musical number. I felt like it fit in with the time. I didn't feel like it was too uh, va-va-voom or anything. It was just like ladies doing the can-can like they did back then. It literally didn't fit into the time. This was before the time of the can-can. Like... Yeah, but it At was sort of like had mockery of there. the can-can. It was like mockery of the can-can, you know it was what I mean? A, it like, was a Harlequin show, and that's fine. Or a burlesque show, but I... I yeah, it was a burlesque show. But, yeah, I was fine with that, though. Like, she did this on her own. They, like, she owned the shit. This is her show. Uh, you know, I, I was all, I was all down with I'm good with all that. that. It's just the amount of time. Because what really creeps me out is the fact that, like, for the most part, you send animation to another studio to have, have the frames filled in. Uh-huh. Which means that Bruce Tim, on a number of occasions now, has sent Maybe. in like elongated versions of a scene where he had this character posing. Like in this vision, in this version, it's like this character dancing this way with leaves slightly over this area. Yeah. And then I want you to do that for twenty seconds, and then I want you to do this one with the leaves over here now, and it's a close up right. of this area. And I want you to do that for ten seconds, and then we'll cut back to this shot for five. It, like he's storyboarding mm-hmm. this. I'm not sure he's storyboarding it. I it keeps being his name attached in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but his name is attached to the animated series, and you know, Deanie and Tim are like sitting there on the commentary, talking about like, oh, this guy did this. Oh, Shane Glines did this storyboard. Oh, this is. You know, whoever, like, just, you know, it's not necessarily just him, it's but maybe yeah, not, he is in... It's maybe not him actually drawing the storyboard. I'm sure there's a storyboard artist, uh, yeah. like, artist on this. It's, that's not my point. Right. The point is, the correlation is Bruce Tim and these characters getting a little more nude, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And creepily, like, Harley, uh, like, Harley and Batman was just yeah weird. Anyway. I mean, he's, he's, he is listed as an executive producer, um, along with Sam Register and Michael Uslan and... Uh, Benjamin Melnicker and, uh, the line producer though was Amy McKenna. Well, that doesn't, it was, that you know, doesn't necessarily uh, you know, mean anything I'm, like line production no, has more to do with style and production design. Not necessarily. But neither that. does Bruce Tim is except for what we've seen coming from him before and knowing that he's sort of a known misogynist. That's the thing. That's why I keep thinking, That's, you know, let's take him away for a second and get this sorted. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to like necessarily point a, a finger i mean they had they're like there are several more than several storyboard artists and storyboard supervisors and none of them are bruce tim i'm looking at them 
I know. I'm just pointing I, that out. I know. I, I just I'm don't sure, want to be. I'm sure he's not the guy I don't penciling be, it anymore. Yeah, I I just don't want to be un, unnecessarily uh, finger wagging. <laughs> like, I think I, he's moved beyond the storyboard shit. Yeah, it's not that. It, it the technical part of whether he's storyboarder or not. Like you get the idea of what I'm saying. And oh, absolutely, and it is too much. I'm I don't want to. I'm tired of the weird sexualization of these characters in the Bruce Tim style or any real animated style like this. Like, it's weird to me. It is, and, and it's, they keep, it's not they keep even, pushing it down our throat. Yeah, it's not even that. Like, it's not like I want to live in a world where the uh, the BTAS style universe just has no adult. Like, I don't want to live with like a bunch of Ken dolls. You know, it's not that. Right. It's that we don't need to spend that much screen time literally focusing on, like, what are you telling me right now other than this character's drawn sexily? Like, it just feels mm-hmm. like weird commissioned fanfic. I, I don't... I don't. And... In a way, yeah. Which I feel like the R rating was unnecessary on this story. I honestly think it was. Like, I still think they, with the I mean, violence, maybe, maybe. I mean, we didn't need the Tarantino blood spurts. I think that may have been where it... Like, yeah, you could have told this story in a PG-13. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Short of the fact that like he backs into fire, but even then, it's just a bad scream, and it's not like you show his skin, you know, blistering or anything. It's. I mean, if that was the reason it was rated R, that was a silly reason. If that was the reason it was rated R, I'd be down with it. I don't think that was the reason. (laughs) I think you could have told that in a PG thirteen story. Like, I think a lot of the reason that it's rated R as opposed to PG thirteen, aside from all we've talked about. Has to do with the fact yeah. that apparently the main breakthrough in like the the villain of this story, which spoilers, is going to be James. Um, the main breakthrough is that he was like a war doctor who noticed that syphilis is a kind of a bitch. Oh my gosh! I just had a cool idea. What if they wind up doing like I'm a couple of sequels because of what I was talking what? about when you said that? <laughs> Go ahead. What? A, yeah. What if they do like a couple of sequels? Because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they're setting it up for maybe a possible sequel, which I of course it'll have to do. You know. I feel like they could if they wanted to, and um, if they did, like, Dark Knight Returns-style Gotham by Gaslight, you know, and, like, because they've already set, they've already set up the genetic profile. We know that they have children, James and and Barbara. James Gordon Jr., dude. That was something that occurred to me during the film, was like, this feels like more of a, more of a James Jr. kind of thing. I, I totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Um... But I would seriously bet you twenty dollars right now that there's never going to be a sequel to this film. There probably won't be. No, I want there to be because I enjoyed it that much. Yeah, <laughs> like even with my problems. Even, and by the way, <laughs> for all the crap I give Patterson on his Gordon, that death scream when he walked into that fire that was, was good. haunting. Yeah, that was haunting. He he screamed the hell out of that. Yeah, like he was. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Kind of made made you think someone took a blowtorch and just put it to his forearm for a second. Like, it was bad. Oh. It was bad. Oh, man. Um, hmm. Anyway. <laughs> I I really think a lot of the R rating had to do with the fact that, like, even if you read this script, you had to uh-huh. look at, like, James Gordon's speech while he's um, pretty much stalking Selena. Yeah. That is not a 13-year-old's... Uh, I, I'm not, I, I don't know how much of that needs to be presented to, to youths in general. There's a lot you have to know before you hear that conversation. Mm-hmm. I could see that just that alone, and the fact that the whole premise of the movie turns on the fact that he like developed this extraordinarily violent misogynist take on the world after being a war doctor that saw some things that I like. 
and even then, like the uh, the, the like the Stockholm syndrome wife, like I, uh-huh. I could kind of see why that would maybe be why they bumped it to R. And then if that's yeah. the case, yeah, throwing a blood spurt. Who cares? We're already R. Throwing yeah. a gurgle sound. Who cares? Yeah, I can see that. Um, I loved Sister Leslie. I loved it. Fantastic, certified badass. I love it. when she like she's in the she's in the graveyard, you know, mm-hmm. ye old Kirkyard, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the murderer uh, Jack comes up behind her. She, this is it then. I won't beg and I won't go hysterical. I won't give you what you want. I won't give know you the this. satisfaction. Yeah, I won't give you the satisfaction. Know this, I forgive you. That's great. Oh, that yeah. was great. As... <laughs> How did Oliver put it recently? As last words go, those were pretty good. Mm, I'm like a week behind on Arrow at least. No, that was Bad Oliver from uh, the crossover. That was the Fuhrer, I think. Bad? Oh, that okay. was close to him. Yeah. I don't remember that. That was when Felicity was like, you'll have to go through me and all that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. He has that moment of, like, respect for her. I was like, damn, that's that's uh, that's a strong person. I'm going to kill her anyway, but <laughs> but as yeah, last yeah. words go, those are pretty good. Yeah. Um, I loved Alfred asking Bruce, are you testing your fingerprint, uh, fingerprints theory again? You know they'll never use that sort of thing as evidence. That mm-hmm. was great. Um, Fantastic. I do sort of feel like there was a there was a real disconnect, and I haven't I've only seen the movie once, but I feel like the the Gordon reveal came out of nowhere a little bit. Like I didn't feel like they really led up to it. Um, and this was something Scott had said as well in his previous yeah Scott on, was, on our previous version of this. This was maybe Scott's biggest problem with the movie. It was, yeah, I believe so. And I I have to agree with him. Um. It's not that I didn't see it coming, but I saw it coming for reasons that I think aren't supposed to be the thing you notice. Like, James Gordon was the only other individual, the way they drew them, that could possibly mm-hmm. have fit the bill of the person that was supposed to be Jack the Ripper. Yeah, they they did try to, like, I felt like they tried to, like, make it out like it was Bullock, maybe, for just a minute, and then they, like, moved on from that and tried to give us some other red herrings, like, Dent was the biggest one. But it was really, it really But they ruled out Dent James. really early on. I mean... Well, like halfway through the film, he's having that wonderful conversation with Selena, which, by the way, was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Everything about like you've been pouring your drinks into potted plants the whole night, and him yeah. studying her, and I know you love mysteries, and like that was a gorgeous conversation. Yeah, but um, th- th- that ruled out Dent pretty early. Like we we didn't have a lot of suspects, and the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, that's the only guy big enough to fit this bill. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie progresses, you're you're kind of thinking like, well, are they just gonna like throw in you know Solomon Grundy or some crap, or is it gonna be somebody we've already been introduced to? And the overwhelming odds are like, yeah, it's James Gordon. It's somebody we've already seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny that they brought in the World's Fair stuff and in the, the Zeppelins from Master of the Future. They did. Like I said, it it, it, like, it alluded to a few things from the other one. Yeah, that's that's, that's nice, but that actually is why I'm willing to bet you $20 instead of 10 that they're never going to do this again. Yeah. What was it? What was, what was it you said before you said they like grabbed like the three scenes out of master of the future. That was good. Like <laughs> now, three general um, ideas from it. I think I said like, <laughs> it's like somebody read masters. Of the, is it master of the future? I forget the title master of the future. It's like someone who read that, but the whole time their mind was checked out and they put it down and was like, okay, here's the three images. I actually remember there was a Zeppelin. There was a blimp. There was a, there was there a was cage fight. Kind of a fight club situation. <laughs> and there was a World's Fair. And I think the World's Fair was involved. Maybe a Ferris wheel. 
Can we involve those somehow? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's what I remember from <laughs> from Master of the I, Future. I, it's that and a rapier. That's all I've got. Yeah, like I, you know, they had moved uh, they had moved Gordon up to commissioner from inspector, mm-hmm. and they had made Tolliver moved him from commissioner to mayor, and they just made him made them mayor and commissioner in in this version. Okay, so that's that's from there too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Tolliver didn't play nearly the role. What The original killer from the book, spoilers for the book, um, Jacob, Bruce's uncle Jacob, he was not uh, He was not the killer, but he was still Bruce's attorney. They didn't name him, but he was there. Mm. You could see, like, he's sitting beside Bruce. Um, I missed so that. So that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that explains a lot about why he went to jail so quickly. <laughs> I had forgotten that detail. And I, it's been um, probably six months since I read that one in particular. And I I kind of, um, I think I really liked the the prison scenes from the book more. If I had to pick a thing that I liked more outright about the book, it's that. Like, I liked him. Oh, yeah, where he's got, like, the entire, like, wall full of, like, yeah, theories and Yeah, and, stuff. like, shouting at himself, like, nothing, yeah. nothing. Yeah, like, I, I, I like that. Like, that was, that was a cool. Yeah. Losing it a little bit on the inside thing, as opposed to like uh, a series of stick figures that they've apparently come across that indicate words uh-huh. and some uh, sort of secret code for Alfred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> man, there's a lot about that. Can I run through like a couple of the technical difficulties for me watching this one really quickly? Sure. Um. All right. So I like I understand that it's hard to get out of prison in general and that it was probably easier a while back but like stealing somebody's suit and running out and still being the most famous man in the city with no facial wrecking uh, like nothing on your face that isn't like no disguise and and just like yelling the word Donnybrook which obviously delights me because when do you hear that yeah and getting a couple of people off there like I don't feel like that's enough but whatever it was still a good opportunity to use the fight scene, and it was still kind of a, a nice, like, oh, I like Bruce. He's got, he's got some balls. Great. Um, really quickly, uh, four technical problems. One, Selena and Bruce in the cab. He did not uh-huh. look like he was any shape to practice. Uh, in any shape to practice, practice, practice. He had one cut on his shoulder. He had a like a bullet wound on his shoulder. All right. Well, a man of his, a man of his uh, physical prowess, you know, uh, learns to. Uh, you know, tough it out. Fair enough. <clears throat> Fair enough. He made it through the entire fight, but he also right. like it. I mean, he literally like made it through a zeppelin landing in the middle of the city. Okay, fine. I'm also still worried about where he found bandages the next morning and wrapped himself so well. But that's enough. You know what? I'm. I don't care. Don't care. Being picky. I mean, hey, that could be like Selena goes down to the, like the little like drug tavern and says, "Oh, she was clearly was passed good, out." You know, she was clearly passed out. Or maybe they went the night before. Mm, I'll give you that. Maybe she, maybe she has it in. Uh, you know, maybe she just has it. Uh, you know, she seems like the type to get in trouble. Maybe she just had him. You know, on hand. See, I, for that reason, I liked the idea that like she was obviously a vigilante. She's shown that during the film. Like she went <laughs> undercover and tried to take this guy on, yeah. uh, on herself. And it, like, okay, I'm okay with the fact That's, that she yeah, has see? first aid available. Yeah, that's probably right. She probably because of the fight she had earlier. She probably had the bandages from then. Fine. A bunch of cops firing at a ball of hydrogen. Uh-huh. No. They seem pretty stupid. Don't do that. They seem pretty stupid. Can I suggest you don't do that? 
Well, yeah, you can, but they already did it. Just saying. Because it was the heat of the moment, and they were like, fire on them! Yeah, I know. Um, later... I'm down with that. Well, alright, let's go to Prison Break. The thing that will haunt me the most about this movie... <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I'm going to say. Uh-huh, I do, yeah. Why would there be a bridge over what appears to be a useless silo? Uh-huh. That for some reason has two still cages above it. Uh-huh. With levers that if you press them hard enough, will just drop those silos, or drop those cages right through the bridge. I don't know why the bridge wasn't more sturdy. Why were there cages part, above it? Look, man, it's Hugo Strange. He does weird shit to weird people. Or I guess you should say strange stuff to people. Uh, you know? My appreciation, reason my, that, my appreciation of your pun aside. Right. That's some weird shit. I mean... Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, in the in the main like courtyard or whatever, the main quad, mm-hmm. there was like it, it. It was just a cylindrical structure with cages, and they. I mean, I'm assuming some of these people are too dangerous to take out with handcuffs. You just pull up those cages and maneuver them over, and uh, you stick it up to the door, and the 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 bad guy gets into the cage and lowered down to the pit with the lobotomized lunatics. Who are zombies if you put a real person down there? Apparently. Yeah. Because they'll just rip you in half. Instead of just drooling into a puddle on the floor. I still maintain that both are possible. (laughs) I would would edge my bets toward drooling on the Uh floor because lobotomies are kind of a bitch. But, but, Uh that takes away your executive functioning, which is part of the, like, prefrontal cortex. Yeah. So... You may be more susceptible to kind of groupthink situations. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts yelling. I don't know. I don't know this guy. I'm gonna grab him. Oh my god! There's a lot of mm-hmm. red. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, it, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, those, having those cages, you know, keeps down on a lot of violence. Keeps down on a lot of uh, less than amiable cock rubbings. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fine thing. Yeah. Except when you put them above a bridge that you clearly need. Well, that would take. A lot of time and money to reconstruct. The biggest sure. problem is that the lever, apparently, if you press it too far, just crashes through the bridge. That's my big problem, yeah. is the engineering yeah. issue here. Yeah, I understand. If like if you drop the lever all the way to its, to its bottom, and all it did was like lower it into the bridge, ready for someone to walk out, I'd be like, that is well designed. Yeah. Don't know why they'd use it, but man, good job. <sighs> all right, I have two more things. Uh, uh-huh. One... I think you, too, looked at that pit of crazy people in the middle of the asylum and thought, that looks like something that I have fought in Arkham Asylum, the game. <laughs> I, I did not think of that, but I'm pretty sure that was... Uh, I mean, you played more than I did. Um, well, but we, I remember like, you We played that game together. Like we, like, we would just pass it back and forth, but I was... I was a little better at it, so I would get us a little further into the story faster. Yeah. So, yeah, I brained a few lunatics in my time. Yeah. And that whole scene was like, oh, God, this would be like, I'm about to face the bad guy, and I have to get through this pit before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, I was already kind of, like, muscle memory thinking of what moves I might use on these people. Like, okay. All right. I'm going to, uh... I'm gonna go in with a with a with a flare. Oh, no, I'm gonna go in with the mm-hmm. I'm gonna go in with the triple batarangs. Create a space for myself, and then we're gonna combo this shit. Like I, I had a plan. Mm-hmm. All right, my other concern. <laughs> okay. And I think I'm done with the technical concerns after this. 
<coughs> uh-huh. That bat chopper. Bat chopper? Mm-hmm. The, the motorcycle? The motorcycle. The, the steam motorcycle? Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I like the steam-powered... I like the steam-powered grappling hook. I like the steam-powered uh, motorcycle. I felt like it was... Uh, it was steampunk, and I dug it, and I want more. Please do a sequel, please, please, <laughs> please. They were they were both steampunk, and they looked like aesthetically. I get it, and I even liked the, the fact that like the grappling hook has its limitations. Like it's just a string on like a steel ring, so like it snaps on him uh-huh. when he's trying to get off the uh, Ferris wheel. Uh huh. I get that. I like that. But when you when, sense he, to me. but when he pulled his little thing off, and the little steam came out. Like, that is totally a steampunk grappling. Oh. That was awesome. Super steampunk. Um, The only thing that bothered me was, like, I think I've seen the model of motorcycle that that thing was based on. And that that thing Uh went 10 miles an hour. Mm. But it's Batman. Had a top speed of 10. I'm willing to... I'm willing to assume that it's Batman. So he could, you know... Yeah. Theoretically get to a speed where, like, his cape wasn't trying to fall under the back wheel right <laughs> um but yeah that I don't know. that motorcycle the version of it that i've seen that looked extraordinarily like that puttered it puttered uh-huh. along it to, like it it was like if you had a primitive skateboard you were just like icing this guy <laughs> on your left uh-huh on your left yeah i don't know i'm good i don't care i think it was awesome yeah that bothered <laughs> me for reasons that i'm not even qualified to be bothered by <laughs> I know nothing of the technology. Um, I just swear I've seen that bike before, and I know I read that yeah. placard correctly because I was in a museum and I saw it. Yeah, dude. I, okay, can I, can I just uh, go back and mention? I loved the Robins. I loved that Jason had his classic hair color, his like little blondish red hair color. I know. I, as I mentioned I love- previously, though, I hate that when you do Jason correctly, it also means making a Jason such as myself a redheaded stepchild. Uh huh. And kind of an asshole. Yeah, but I accept our fate. Well, J- Jason is always an asshole. I accept in our the fate. Comics. I understand. I can deal with it. I, I loved that they were, that they were worried about what happened about the Batman or about the Bat creature after what happened to Johnny Gobbs because that's that's what the the criminals in uh, Batman eighty nine were worried about. Right. Is, that one guy was like, especially after what happened to Johnny Gobbs. Didn't catch that at all, but I was happy to hear about it later. Yep, that's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> that was solid. <laughs> It's not often you get an 89 reference. I don't know. It's just every once in a while, I just love to hear one. And it, it was nice how they kind of portrayed those kids. We're like, mm-hmm. Dickie's kind of like, let's be responsible. And then Jason's like, fuck it all. I want to do things. And then like, there's Tim being like, I just care about people. <laughs> I'm hungry and he feeds us. Can <laughs> yeah. we do this? <laughs> it was a, a little on the nose maybe, but it was still a really like, I, I thought poignant portrayal, and then uh, yeah. Dickie later, like at the end of the film, saying like, "Let's build something better." That was that was nice, just mm-hmm. just damn nice. Yep, it was all well and good. Like most of it was very good. I don't know, man. You have anything else? Um, let me look through some notes. I would say if uh, you know, not don't show. I wouldn't show this to your kids. No, no, not not necessarily um, a movie for children. Again, I think that conversation isn't something they're prepared to handle generally. Yeah. Um, I say children generally. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, know the ages of people or their maturity levels. So, me personally, I was is... I was watching stuff around. I was watching stuff like this around you know twelve to fourteen somewhere around there. 
So Yeah, and I, I was too, and I, I could understand the dialogue that was in front of me for the most part at the time, but, you know, I like, yeah. the level of material that's in there and what you need to understand to contextualize it, I kind of get that this isn't like a kid's movie. No, it's not that a makes kid's sense movie. To me. But um, it, I think it is worth the watch, for sure. I think it's a good one. Oh, absolutely. Um, I only had, I think... I think just the one more little shout out to the um, Sherlock Holmes reference. Oh yeah, what you got? Um, apparently, it's Bruce's mentor. It, I'm paraphrasing, but like um, when you remove the impossible, all you have left is the uh, all you have left is the truth, kind of thing. Uh huh. Some version of parsimony. Yeah. All right. It was a neat take. Didn't uh, Didn't Scott say that the the Robins, the way they were presented, uh, were uh, a reference to? Something oh. in Sherlock Holmes? Oh, God. What was it? Oh. It has been like 20 years since I read any Sherlock Holmes. Me too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Like I had one of those big bound editions of all the stuff, but of all the stories, but I haven't read that in forever. Oh, he was he was right, too. It made a really good reference that, oh, God, uh, I don't know. He's going to have to get back to us and help us on that one. Yeah. I don't know. But it, it does... It does correlate very well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you have anything else, man? Not that I can remember, which means okay. probably not. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like, you can leave us a review on Facebook or iTunes. Uh, and it really does help. Uh, we will be back with a news episode, not this week, but we will be coming back. You'll probably be here from us on the 6th of uh, February. I believe we'll have a new episode up. And, uh, I mean, honestly, there's just not a whole lot of news this week, but... It was pretty light. Um, we're aware of the news that's out there. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to, uh, <laughs> leave us some stuff, leave us some feedback, or ask us questions, or whatever, we'll get back to you, read you on the show. We are DC On Screen, you can find us at dconscreen.com. Every episode we've ever done, all hundred, four, sorry, 465 episodes are, plus crossovers, we, we do post crossovers on the website. Um, that's one of the big advantages of, uh, of going to the website is that you can actually just pretty in a pretty chronological order, find out what we've done. Mm. Um, damn close. Yeah. So anyway, we tweet the show tweets at DC on screen. I tweet at David C. Robertson. Um, and gosh, I just feel so bad. If you ha- if you don't listen to this, the suicide squad cast, you should go and check them out. Suicide squad cast. Uh, just go and check those guys out. Um, they're, they're really good. Um, I feel so bad about not, not being able to do the, the Scott stuff. Oh yeah. You shouldn't feel bad. That one's on me. I shouldn't. Yeah. Well, as, as just far as just in general, I just, I feel bad that that didn't happen. Uh, anyway, uh, Oh, by the way, I remembered uh, one more hmm? point. Okay. Bonus point. We'll call it a bonus point. Sure. I, I still really liked the, uh, the new version of the bat signal. <laughs> yeah, like the 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 blood on the on the uh like as Scott well, pointed out, that's a lot it. of blood. But yeah, then again, it is like, a lot of blood. Syringes, you know, around the time that there this is supposedly happening were basically mm-hmm. just skin piercers. They weren't mm-hmm. they, they weren't getting in between cells, man. They were just like blah. Um it's a very technical explanation, I understand. But it I don't know how that much blood could have been done maybe he got her in the jugular uh-huh. i don't know but i like the idea of like the original bat signal being drawn in blood for help me 
Help me bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was neat. I like that. Yeah. Alright. Alright, guys. I'm done with bonus points. And until next time, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, an improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more.